mentioned it earlier today that uh, sometimes the best partnerships are the ones where nobody got 100% of what they wanted, but they got enough that each party feels like they're getting something of value out of it. So to assess whether that's a reasonable comparison or not is Mike Barber of Richmond.com. And of course, we're referencing Kia Clark gone from Virginia, but Reese Beekman back in the backcourt to pair with maybe the next version of Kia Clark. Dante Harris, uh, the transfer from Georgetown, but Beekman wanting to be a first-round pick. NBA evaluator said not quite there yet. Needs to develop his offensive game and ball handling skills to go along with being an all-ACC caliber defender. And then Virginia needing an experienced guard option, maybe somebody that could develop into a scorer and creator and continue to provide that defense they want for a roster that experienced quite a bit of defections this offseason. So, is that reasonable? Well, Mike Barber provides his perspective now from Richmond.com. Mike, thank you for your time today. A pleasure to speak with you. Is it reasonable to say that maybe neither Virginia finding replacements for Beekman and the other departures or Beekman himself finding a first-round projection got exactly what they wanted this offseason? And because of that, it's best for both of them that they reunite for another year. Well, I think it's certainly true for Reese, right? Like, had he gone and, um, you know, he showed out really well at the Combine, if scouts had told him, yeah, you've moved your way into the first round, sure, he'd be gone. Um, I think coming back, it, it makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, but if you're Virginia, there was nobody on the market you wanted more than Reese Beekman. Uh, you know, I mean, that is the piece that you want if, if you're Tony Bennett, a guy who's been in your pack line defense, um, who isn't just good or very good. This is the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I thought he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year the year before. Um, this is an elite NBA-level perimeter defender who has done nothing but get better and better offensively every season, um, up to just under 10 points a game this year. So I, I think if you're Virginia, you would have taken Reese Beekman uh, certainly over anybody that you were involved with and, and maybe anybody that was out on the market uh, because of his defensive prowess, because of his experience in the system, and because of the growth that you've already seen from him. Um, I think it's a win-win, certainly for both. I-, I think UVA needed him probably more than Reese needed UVA, but I think it turned out that uh, if he wants to, to get to that next level uh, at, the, at the height he wants to as a first-round pick, he needed another year. Why not do it back at Virginia? There are some that might bemoan the idea that Reese Beatman dragged it out to the very end. I don't. I'm all in favor of getting as much information as possible. If anything, is that a good thing? Because it means he went through the process and is more likely to be bought into his final year in Virginia and have the real knowledge that, look, he needs to put as much into this as well so that he can get to that first-round status and maybe be the next uh, maybe not DeAndre Hunter, that may be a stretch, but even a Malcolm Brogdon, a guy that can get to that big, lucrative second contract. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think when you, when you think about it, it's really good for Virginia basketball because there was no sense of grumbling or discontent You know that, that Reese was trying. The advice that Reese got from Tony Bennett, from Jason Williford, from everyone in that program was take it to the limit, man. Like, go see get all the feedback, get all the information, get all the experience, and then do what's best for you. I mean, this has not been a secret. It's not Duke or Kentucky where they're trying to make you a one-and-done, but Virginia has been very upfront about they're trying to produce NBA players, get you ready uh, to play at that next level, and honestly, get you ready to play in Europe if that's what your dream and your goal is. Um, And certainly they've done it with Justin Anderson and Malcolm Brogdon and Sam Hauser and Jay Huff 
uh, Trey Murphy. I mean, their track record is phenomenal. And I think part of that is a real openness and willingness to say, hey, go, go explore, go take this as far as you can. Uh, if you want to come back, we're here for you. But if you're ready, you know, we're the ones that got you there, and, and that's great. Mike Barber, Richmond.com with us here in the Fast Lane. Mike, there are a couple of unknowns with this Virginia Cavalier roster in terms of new players that have come in and, of course, Leon Bond, who is the red shirt uh, for Virginia. One of the two. The other is uh, Isaac Trout, who ended up transferring back to his home area back in Creighton. Um, That bigger picture element, whether it's that or Buchanan, who redshirted and never played for Virginia Tech, is that going to become a thing of the past because of the transfer portal and maybe the lack of patience, or is it still about finding the right guys that would be more open to that idea? Yeah, you, you know, I wrote about that this week, and, and I thought everybody I talked to, from Jason Williford to Mike Young to Darren Buchanan to Leon Bond to Isaac Trout, I talked to all those guys, and they all kind of said basically it's a case-by-case basis. Isaac Trout said that even if he was playing 25 minutes a game, uh, he wanted to get back home, and that was something that he didn't realize until he got to Charlottesville and was away from family and away from his girlfriend and, and all of that. Uh, he said that it wouldn't have mattered uh, you know, if he was all ACC. He, he wanted to go home. Uh, Buchanan felt differently. He said you know, he thought it was the best year of his basketball career, getting bigger, stronger, focusing on improving. But he said, you know, yeah, if he was pe- playing 15 or 20 minutes a game, it might have been harder to leave Virginia Tech and go to GW. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, what the coaches stressed to me was everybody's got to be on board if you're going to redshirt, right? It can't be, I've decided I recruited you, but I don't think you're good enough. I'm going to redshirt you. That, that just can't be the conversation. Now, the conversation can be, I recruited you. I like you. I want to develop you. I don't think you're going to get much playing time this year. And then it's up to the kid, his parents, AAU coach, whoever else is involved, to say, okay, well, coach is saying I'm going to not get more than five or six minutes a game here, uh, or I could redshirt and, and have the chance to be a big contributor the next year. Uh, and then there, there's time, Ed, right? Like, you know, Leon Bond told me he was completely on board uh, once they made the decision to redshirt, but there were still moments that it was kind of tough to be sitting out. Uh, if you're Isaac Trout, those moments kind of coupled with homesickness, led him to the transfer portal. Uh, if you're Leon Bond, those moments he was able to push through, and, and he's committed to being a big part of Virginia this coming season. So it really is a case-by-case business basis. The biggest thing I found in researching that story, and there were 66 freshmen on ACC rosters this year. Only 10 of them redshirted. So redshirting is very rare in college basketball. And then five of those 10 transferred. So I do think it's going to become even more uh, unusual guys to redshirt and for coaches to want to go that route you mentioned in basketball being rare is it maybe going to be more rare in football as well because you can plug holes with the transfer portal and if you develop guys early they show something you probably play them and if not you don't or is it different in basketball because in football you kind of got that four game cushion where you can at least keep guys happy while technically redshirting them i think you nailed it i think that four game cushion that they gave college football is one of the most significant rule changes that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, I don't understand why in basketball you don't get four or eight games uh, to say, hey, you know, you still redshirt. I mean, there are kids who burn their redshirt playing one game. 
Um, and then if, if it's not an injury, they can't get that year back. Um, I think basketball needs that rule, and I think that rule is why it will be okay in football. Because you can tell a kid, hey, man, you're real close. Keep working, keep busting your butt. And it's not saying on day one, we're redshirting you, so we're shutting you down for the year. It's saying keep working, you can get on the field. Uh, you can get on the field in an ACC title game. You can get on the field in a bowl game. And we've seen that happen at Tech and UVA, where guys, you know, the games they play are the final three or four of the season. Uh, I think that's a significant rule difference, and I think it's why in football you'll continue to see uh, a little more redshirting. Where in basketball, if they don't tweak the rule, uh, I think it's going to start to go away a little more. RTD underscore Mike Barber, half of the Teal and Barber podcast, and of course from Richmond.com as Mike Barber is with us in the fast lane. Mike, uh, you mentioned uh, you know not understanding why you can't redshirt in college basketball uh, and play games only a finite amount, but you can do that in football. Would the answer to that be hashtag because NCAA? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is. And, you know, the more sports you cover, like I've covered a lot of lacrosse and a lot of college baseball, and, you know, there are intricacies of the sports and of the roster management and of the calendar that leads them to have some different rules. I don't see one here between basketball and football why you can't have it, and maybe the, the percentage is different, but why you can't have a certain number of games that you can play in without burning an entire year. Uh, I think it's a great motivator to keep kids ready. Now, the big push in football, if you remember, it, it was athlete health and safety. It was there aren't enough guys to make it through a year, and, and you don't want to play guys who are banged up on special teams. They said, okay, well, if everybody on your roster can give you four games, you should be able to fill out special teams and get safely through the year, not be under pressure to, to bring guys back. I get that. But it's also a little antiquated now with the portal and NIL and everything else that has changed. I think there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you're a freshman. If you play a significant part of the season, that was your year. But there's nothing wrong with having that carrot out there to say, hey, you know, you can play. Maybe it's you can play in an exempt tournament, right? You can play over Thanksgiving or Christmas when they play in those tournaments and get some minutes. Or maybe it's you can play six games. I think that would be a good rule change uh, for college basketball. It would, and we can only hope the NCAA wisens up at some point and adopts it, much like that rule that prohibits JMU from being bowl eligible. Never mind they did the whole research to figure out that they can make the jump from 1AA to 1A. Uh, the NCAA has to protect them from themselves or at least preserve their power in some capacity. The insight is always preserved at richmond.com and at RTD underscore Mike Barber. That's where you can just keep up with Mike's insight. Mike, thank you for sharing that today in the fast lane. Always great to catch up, and uh, we know you'll maintain a level of common sense. Uh, I hope this isn't an insult to you, but it's going to be much higher than the NCAAs. I, I certainly hope so. I, it's a low bar to clear, but I think I can get there. Well, we're confident in you as well. Mike Barber with us here in the fast lane. When we return, University of Lynchburg baseball. They're in the College World Series out in Omaha. Do they have their Kenny Powers? Oh, we had to ask the question of Lucas Jones. We have to. So we'll share that next in the Fast Lane across the Virginia Talk Radio Network.